Welcome to the fourth episode of Coffee with Braz, brought to you by the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. Love the game. This week, we'll be talking with my skipper, Steph Ciocci. I want you to meet my captain, Steph Ciocci. Our speedy Italian that plays on the wing. Steph is a player that loves to talk up how much time she spends in the gym, but we all question it and we all know she spends way more time at the park with Bentley. One thing I love about Steph is she's always trying to make this team laugh and have fun. She's the classic captain. Get ready for this episode. Meet my captain, Steph. Thank you, Steph, for coming on the Coffee with Braz podcast. Thanks, Brazzy. I'm actually stoked to get a coffee with Braz. That's awesome. Are you serious? You're the captain. No, but like I didn't realise we actually got a coffee on Coffee with Braz. Yeah, listen, I'm putting like the money. It's you're definitely <laughs> going to get a, res- uh, a bill soon, but yeah, maybe you sure. could pay for the whole teams because you're the captain. <laughs> I do like my coffee, so I'd happily do that for people. Why not? Uh, and let, let's talk about your coffee because <laughs> I was like, when you sent it to me, I was like, yep, yeah, all right, this is pretty normal. But then I had to order it and I was so uncomfortable. I was saying, okay, can I please have a latte with half a sugar? What part was awkward? The sugar or the actual half fact a sugar. full cream? Well, I figure... No, I'm sh- all about full cream, Steph. Okay, good. All about full smart. cream. You're Italian. I cow's milk, that. We understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently I'm lactose intolerant, so I shouldn't be well, having it. I think it. I am too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I ha- usually have almond milk. Well, I was having almond milk, but I just didn't like the taste. So yeah, It just ruins And coffee. I love coffee, so I'd rather face the consequences. But no, half a sugar, like they say you shouldn't have sugar, and people say I'm sweet enough, but I've got half a sugar anyway. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so at home, do you, like you pull out your sugar... Do you get the teaspoon and actually measure it like that? It's because no, know. I'm not like the Irish household and Ruby where they measure everything, but I do get the <laughs> teaspoon out and I'll just really, really flat, really flat. That's technically half. Oh, so it's still a teaspoon. Yeah, mate, that is a teaspoon. That nah, is not but half. It's, it's really <laughs> flat, like you know, a teaspoon. With if you came to my house and said half, I would literally like put it up and then like pour half out. I'd be so awkward. Look, I'm not that diligent with it. I don't really care, but it does sound good. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, I, I love that. But I'm, I'm glad you actually have coffee because we had Ebony last week and she had decaf. So that, that actually oh, did throw me. That's odd. That's really odd. But doesn't surprise me. Doesn't at all, does it? To be honest. Yeah. Now I want to talk about your background. You're Italian. Mm. I am Italian. Well, I'm not really. I, my mum is Italian, but I pretend. You're Italian. Mate, I look Aussie. At least you <laughs> look like you're Italian. Yeah, I, I'm in the sun and I go red and then I blister. Like you just brown up. Like I'm the whitest w- Italian you know. We all know this is fake tan, number one. Number two, it takes <laughs> a lot of effort for me to get brown. But no, I think I'm the sun. I'm quite pale. You're not, but whatever. Let's, okay. let's just move we'll on there. <laughs> but so you're Italian, you go to your nunna's for dinner, the whole family gets together. So you've got the classic Italian family, which which I love. But mm. one thing I love, and I can imagine your dad being like this, that women just don't play football. Football is for the men. So oh. how did you get into footy? Well, growing up, it was definitely the case. It was just watching the boys play. But like my family love Carlton. I think it's well documented. Um, <laughs> and like I was a member from the age of two at the Carlton Footy Club. We go every week, sit in the same spot, which is no longer there. So they're, I suppose, newish facilities down um, opposite the Legend Stand. It was these green seats and we sat. Is that like, now the Icon Stadium? Yeah, Icon Park. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that stadium around the side. Yeah, this is me not being from Melbourne, having yeah, no yeah. idea. Um, and yeah, we used to sit in the same green seats in the same row either the front, if we got there early enough on the fence, watching the reserves or row two or row three. 
nonno, zia, zio, cousins, brothers, dad, mum every now and then and just cheer on the blues. Now, how many people are we talking? Uh, I reckon the last ever, we were at the last ever game played there. There was about 20 of us somehow. Um, it was awesome. Used to run on the field after the game, kick the footy around. Wasn't yeah, that the best awesome. kick to kick? Loved it. Yeah, oh, loved it. Just dodging get balls out. everywhere. I used to race to the centre so you could get to the centre circle first. Pretty sure my brother took some grass on the last ever game. I don't know what he did with it, but took some grass. It's like a memorabilia, but yeah. Still mad, under his pillow. <laughs> mad Carlton supporters. And like that's why I love playing at Icon Park. It reminds me of my non every time. So yeah. so when did you ask? We were you at, like, obviously you go to the game. So yeah. were you going, Dad, like, I want to play footy? It's funny. Or did you never think because it was blokes? Never. Never ever thought I could play. Didn't know there was a league. And you remember I was only young, but then it got into my teenage years and we'd kick the footy before the game. Um, so what me and five, six boys kicking the footy around and dad would be like, gee, if you were a bloke, you'd get drafted. And I remember him saying it. He still says it. Um, and like people would come up to him and be like, gee, she's skillful. Um, but it was never like I didn't know female footy existed. I don't think it did then. And then yeah. it wasn't until... It was just a badge of honour that you could kick with the boys yeah. and keep up. Yeah, that's it. And um, it wasn't until I was like 15, 16, I'd heard of Diamond Creek Women's Football Club, no football team at the time. And um, I was like, gee, there's women's footy out there. Dad, can I play? Mum, can I play? Nah, too little, too skinny. You'll, you'll get broken. And to be fair, they were probably right. Like <laughs> the people running around back then, my goodness. Um, so I played school footy. And just loved it. Like, and I had an athletics background, so I just used, I suppose, my pace um, on the outside just to get around people. And, um, yeah, kept putting my case forward. But, like, no, nah, you're just going to break in half. Um, and it wasn't until I was in year 12, so I was 17, and I was working at Rebel Sport with a girl called Megan who I think she was captain of Diamond Creek at the time. She's like, just come on down. And I knew her from athletics as well. She'd come on down. Rob, so my dad, she'll be right, we'll look after her. And I went down a training session and didn't look back and they said, yeah, you can play. So there was my year 12 gone. Because you know what it's like when you join a footy team or any sort of sporting club, you're just so invested. You want to spend all your time there. That's all you think about. That's all you think about. Yeah. And like those are the days where you'd play a game and then go over to the local pub, yeah. you know. <laughs> At 17. At, well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> for a meal, obviously. But, you know, like and then you're just immersed in this footy culture and I absolutely loved it. And, yeah, that was that. And I love that you have like a different sense, like how you, you've, you're now in a team and you, you love it, even though that you went to every single Carlton game. Mm. So you already knew what footy was like, but then playing, it's still such a different experience. Oh, completely different. And like my idols, you know, Andy McKay, who's now, you know, his position at Carlton, I think he's still on the board there, whatever he is, like he was my idol. I used to watch Chris Judd play, I used to watch Cade Simpson, you know, loved how he played. And they were the, the guys I looked up to and then... I start playing Diamond Creek and I'm like, okay, we'll make a bit of a name for ourselves now as women. But back then there was no talk of a national league. You had state competitions uh, where you got to play with the best of the best. So play with like Daisy Pierce, um, Katie Brennan eventually, um, girls like that. Shannon McFerrin, who probably, you know, the younger girls wouldn't have heard of, but she was a star. She won like three or four league best and fairest. Debbie Lee, all these names. Um, and yeah, fast forward however many years and here we are. Here we yeah, are. Pretty crazy. That still cracks me up that you're a Carlton supporter and yeah. you're playing for Collingwood. Like, I just love that. Like it's it's funny how, and I guess this is AFL, you don't get a choice where, where you get to go. Where what I'm used to is netball. 
you can have every single team in the league offer you a spot and I still get to choose. So the fact That's that right, yeah. you just you don't have a choice where you go still still blows my mind. Now, I did a bit of research <laughs> and I watched a YouTube thing that I just, you know, just wrote your name in YouTube. And there was a little package of you talking about how when you did go to the games like you just talked about, you were on the train and you had to go park Vic Park <laughs> and, you know, your, your parents being that passionate and you're nonna, you're nonna and then you had to hold your breath yep. past that stadium. Like, what was that like? And <laughs> and how, like, we'll get to it a bit later, you getting drafted here, but what was it like doing that and then now, I guess, your parents barracking for us? Like, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Do, it was, still, do you still follow Carlton? Oh, gosh. Braz, it's okay. That's a really tough question. <laughs> I, I, I do follow in terms of I keep a keen eye on them. I'll watch their games and I'm still really passionate about how the boys go. Yeah. <laughs> um, make that very, very clear. Um, yeah, I think when you grow up, you know, loving a team and it's ingrained in you from, you know, a very young age, you know, it's very hard to just switch that off. Like it's in my heart and it's in my blood and it reminds me of my family. But, yeah, I, I take a keen interest in how they go. I'm just not very vocal with it. Um, but yeah, we did. We used to catch the Hurstbridge line from Eltham all the way into the MCG. And when we went past Vic Park, Dad, no, no, hold your breath. And we go, <gasps> and we weren't allowed to breathe in the air of Collingwood because it was, <laughs> you know, I don't know, not nice air. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's, and it's all I knew. Like it was just, you didn't like Collingwood. You hated Collingwood. And I know this isn't like this podcast isn't about me. It's about you. But that's one thing I didn't know coming to Collingwood is that people just didn't like Collingwood or they loved you. There was yep. one or the other. And hearing that story, like not coming, being from Melbourne, it just cracks me up because, you know, being a new, someone from New South Wales, rugby league was the religion. Where down yep. here, it's definitely AFL. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Now, you, you talked about Diamond Creek. Yeah. And it's a, the team you first played for. What you didn't mention is that in your first year, oh, I've got my stats. <laughs> <laughs> you won a premiership. You got MVP... Of the game. Yep. Best and fairest. MVP is a very net Of the game. Oh, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Mate, I'm still learning. So what's it called? Oh, best on ground. Best on ground for that. Yeah. And then you got best first year player in the league. Yeah, or the the region, I think it was. Yeah. Northeast. Yeah. Yeah, Northwest, I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah. That's like, mate, that's like the best. Best year you it was a good have. debut. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, how, how was your second year? <laughs> yeah, probably not as good. No, we um, we were playing. I think in the Northwest Division back then, in the it was called the VWFL, um, and yeah, we were quite dominant, and we had some really good battles. We ended up winning the premiership, um, which was awesome. But then the next year, we got bumped up to like the Premier Division, and we got absolutely flogged. Like I mean, Brazzy, we were losing by ninety plus almost every week. Um, so yeah, that was a real shock to the system, but just love playing, like no expectations. You sort of just run around with some freedom. Um, like I said, they become like a second family. I just loved being there. Like Diamond Creek is so special to me. Um, and I reckon once I retire, I might actually head back down there. You see ex-players like Shay Aldi, uh, Laura Corrigan have just signed back there. Girls who played AFL and have gone back to Dymo and I think I might do the same. So yeah, oh, just like love it. you're ever going to retire. <laughs> I know. I might Please. do a C-bomb and... Sorry, Cecilia McIntosh. Probably shouldn't say Z-bomb and uh, played on 38, but who knows? Yeah, well, you keep going. Oh, I probably won't yeah, do body, that. Yeah, body's <laughs> feeling good. Yep. <laughs> ah, well, you're looking good out there, so that's a good thing. So when, like, you know, I guess you're playing AFL, AFLW doesn't exist yet. When was, how old were you when 
um, the first draft happened where they only selected the 40 and it was uh, Bulldogs versus Melbourne. Yeah, the exhibition series. I That was 2013, so it's probably about 21, 22. No, hold on, I don't know how old I am. You're still 17. 23, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever I was, early 20s. Yeah. Um, and there was sort of rumours about this sort of AFLW thing happening and then there was rumours about an exhibition series and I remember talking to Debbie Lee who was associated with the Bulldogs or Melbourne at the time, one of the two, um, and she's like, yeah, we're going to have a draft. We're going to have a draft and there's going to be two teams, Melbourne and Bulldogs, who've both been big supporters of women's footy. Um, yeah, and they're going to go one for one on the selection and then we're going to play a game. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, and yeah. So you had to nominate for a draft. Like yeah, the, the yeah. Re- like it all happened like it still does now. Yeah, I think it was nominate. Yeah, and yeah. you just threw your hat in the ring and we end up having a draft at the MCG and yeah, the yeah. rest is history. And so... You know, like, um, there's 40 players picked, which yeah. is nothing. Like, that's yeah. what two, not even two teams now. Like, we have 30 in each yeah, team. In each so squad, yeah. That's, yeah, unbelievable to one, even make the 40. But two, you had Daisy Pierce picked it, pick one, who is probably the most loved AFLW player mm. in our league um, and has just, yeah, skyrocketed in media, which is great for her. And then you were picked second. Yeah, what were they thinking? (laughs) That's unreal. How did did that make you feel? Yeah, at the time, I think I was a little bit surprised, uh, to be honest. And like you mentioned Daisy Pearce. Like, for me, she is the best AFW footballer I've seen play and played against. So she played for Darabin. So Diamond Creek, Darabin have a fierce rivalry. We played in, I think, seven grand finals against them, Um, 1-1. So that's (laughs) how how well we're going. But, um, yeah, so it was coming off that 2012 grand final where we, we pipped them and had a pretty good year that year as well. Um, and, yeah, I think my form was, was pretty good leading into that and Peter Searle took me with pick two, which, yeah, I was, <laughs> I'm still surprised to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty humbling um, to go, yeah, straight after Daisy, that's for sure. And what, what was it like being in that, I guess, 40 and, and feeling like there was this movement in women's sport? Like I know netball had already had its own little thing, but... Like I, I played footy growing up, but I never believed it would happen. And if it did, it wouldn't be in my lifetime where I'd mm. get to play. Was it? Did you understand? I guess how powerful it was to be in that forty and play those nah. exhibition matches. No, nah, and still to this day, like even trying to reminisce now and think about what happened on the night and how it felt. Like yes, I know it was exciting, but really didn't know what it meant. Um, we knew that we we're going to play a game, um, one game, Bulldogs versus Melbourne. You know put female footy on the map a little bit, but we didn't know where it was going after that. There was no talk of AFLW or a national league until a little bit later. So, yeah, it was it was great, but we didn't really know what it meant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did yeah. that talk happen pretty much straight after that game? Because, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't in for the footy world then, but yeah. I, I remember watching the game on TV thinking, like, this is unreal. Yeah. Did, it, did you guys then think, okay, this is going to move pretty quickly? No. Well, not from my point of view. I, I had no idea what was going on, to be honest. We knew that it was sort of... The foundation teams, those like I said before, the Bulldogs and Melbourne who invested in women's football and programs and things like that. But we didn't know that it would skyrocket or sort of start the ball rolling for a national league. And it would have been, I mean, I dare say it's probably a couple of years later where they went, hang on a second, we should get a national league. And that's when they started talking about it for 2020. Yeah. So they're like, right, National League by 2020. And I was thinking, bugger, I'm going to be bloody old by then. Yeah. Um, And then that soon evolved to let's bring it forward to 2017. And aren't we glad and being aren't we older? Glad it that did. It did. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> And obviously there was a few more exhibition games after that. So, yeah. And loved the doggies? 
Love the doggies. Great footy club. Um, just your Aussie-spirited, you know, community footy club, I felt. Like, I felt really welcome there. Great club. Really good people. Um, obviously invested in our game from an early, from, you know, years ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I love playing there. It was good fun. And Like, so, I guess being like, it was three years, I'm pretty sure. Three, yeah, three yeah. or four, yeah. You, was there just a training camp or was training like a weekly thing? No, nah, training camp. Yeah, it was literally... Because obviously everyone's... It's not just from Melbourne. You have interstate players yeah, coming in. It was literally like a... We had in the past prior to 2012 was like high performance academies. So yeah. if you're picked in the All-Australian squad or team in those state carnivals, you'd go into an academy and we'd catch up once a year and, you know, it might be based... It was usually based here um, and have a camp. But this was not too dissimilar. We were like told this is when your game is. Um, you're expected in Melbourne, Victoria... On these dates, you had a little camp, you trained twice with, as a team and then you played. Like, that was pretty much it. Um, and the team sort of changed over the years as well. Like, I ended up playing with Breeza uh, when she threw her hat in the ring and to play footy after soccer. So, we picked so her she, up in the draft. she went to... The dogs. Dumb. Oh, she went to the dogs. Yeah, yeah, she went to the dogs. So, she... Um, I think she, that was two or three years after. Yeah. You know, the first ever game. So, yeah, the, the team sort of ch- chopped and changed. Some girls who were playing at Melbourne end up at the dogs. Some who were at the dogs end up at Melbourne and... Yeah, because you had to keep a core six after the first season. Yeah, it was all a bit weird, really. Which is, which is crazy <laughs> when, when you're saying that because I'm thinking, okay, so it's really, it wasn't really professional mm-hmm. at all. But it was, it, was, it was just to showcase that women do play football, really. Because you, in a, like an elite world, you've got to, you can't just do a once a month training session together. So yep. it's amazing that you guys had that and were still able to execute a game plan yeah. or just, I guess, play as a team. Yep. Um, and then what, three or four years later, you've got the actual draft yep. and it's no longer two teams. No. There's uh, there's teams that don't even have a team trying to get AFLW teams. Like there was so much talk about it. Um, and I know just being on the netball side, we were thinking, how is this happening? Like as a netballer, we've been training since we were like, I don't know, you start net set, go at six and then you get into the... I guess, professional, like it starts getting more elite at 13 and then you're mm. representative, you go through all underage state the teams. pathway. Yeah, you, yeah, you're starting gym at 16. Like, so your body is conditioned by yeah. the time you're, you're, I guess, in an elite side. And you guys have gone from Saturday footy, yeah. which you just talked about, the best thing was going to a pub afterwards. 100%. yeah. Into these. So as a netballer, I'm thinking, one, I'm jealous because I really want to play. <laughs> you would have loved it. But like, <laughs> I guess seeing other girls' reactions, it was just like... How is this even possible? Yeah. Like it was it was more of a jealousy thing and and more angry because why have we had to work our whole life to get to this spot and you guys are just walking in. Mm. So from being in it, it was quite funny. It was like netball versus footy. Yeah. Where now, I guess being at the one club, the netball girls seeing how hard you guys train, like you're just one of us. Yeah. And I think that's really cool to see women supporting women and athletes supporting athletes because – at the start, I couldn't say that was going to happen. No. And it's even like coming into the, our first year here, which I'm sure we'll touch on, but not having – I don't think we had really any elite female role models in our team. Mm. And like you said, we came from playing Saturday, 2 o'clock, um, going to the pub after, probably having a drink, getting home late, go to our full-time having a great jobs. <laughs> yeah, training twice a week to then, here you are, here's your conditioning program, here's your gym program. I, Oh, it's hard to believe, but I didn't really lift many weights <laughs> growing up. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Look at those arms. Um, you know, so then adapting to that and, yeah, big, big whirlwind. So I can appreciate why the netballers and, you know, 
people like that looked at us going, well, what's going on here? Yeah, but like in credit to the AFLW girls, that's flipped. Mm. You know, our netball girls come to our games and love it. Yeah. You know, so I think yeah. that's great and, and just shows where we've come from as well. Yeah, for sure. Like I remember the first year you guys would be in gym and we'd be on the court and there was a few players that, I don't think lifted a weight. <laughs> like we're just walking around talking. I was and we probably were, one of them to be we, honest. No, you weren't. But and you guys were even watching the netball training, going, "Whoa, like yeah, this is intense." Sure. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I love where we're at now because yeah. you can't. There's no re- no real difference, and the fact we're only in the fifth year yeah, blows really, my mind. Yeah, it's really evolved, hasn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. So you moved. To, you come to Collingwood. Mm. But before you, you're at our club, it's 2016. Yeah, yep. And you get, I think you're obviously assuming that you're going to Bulldogs because you've been there for so long. You were the captain at the time. Mm. And there are, I've seen, I wasn't there, but I've seen footage of you and they've just got the camera like in your face, in your parents' face at yeah. the draft. Was that intimidating? Were you thinking this is like, Oh my God, what if I don't get picked up? Yeah, it was interesting because that was a documentary I did with Ange Pippos um, and Nicole Minchin who – it was a league of her own, um, which was awesome. They sort of followed my journey after the Bulldogs and to draft day and I'd had discussions with Carlton, Collingwood, Bulldogs. Yeah, they were the th- main three um, and all of them sort of said, look, if you're there with our second pick, we'll take you. Yeah. And I knew that it was Collingwood – Bulldogs and Carlton and of course being a Carlton supporter it was a part of me that wanted to get through to Carlton um but yeah Collingwood fortunately they snagged me with pick 11 and I think the emotion you see in that video um was because of the fact that I didn't stick on with the Bulldogs they didn't take me with as their marquee um not their marquee sorry their priority pick and so what is that because I know that there is Obviously, every team had their two marquees. So, that w- there yep. was no draft for that. They no. just were like, love you. We want you. Yeah. Come to our and team. And then people bargain, like, you know, we want yep. you, Brazzy, but then Carlton wants you. Like, you choose, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and then there w- was in place a priority pick. And the priority pick was essentially for a player or a girl who was working within the club yep. and or had ties to the club. So, if you, as you are, you're working here, you would – B. Colin was priority pick because you can't technically go and play at another team. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You're working within the four walls. Um, so I think um, Melbourne took Kaz Paxman. Um, Collingwood took Meg Hutchins because she was on board. Um, she was working, yeah, working here. Working here. Yeah. Yep. And the Bulldogs didn't really have anyone that had ties to them um, in that sort of way, but it was sort of expected that they were going to pick me up. At 11, I was like, oh, you should have been, you're going to be their priority pick, aren't you? I'm like, no, well, I haven't heard anything. Um, and to be fair, I had, hadn't played too well, so I, I didn't really expect it. Um, but when you got people saying to you, oh, well, it's a no-brainer, you've been their captain for two, three years, you know, you're going to be their priority pick. I'm like, well, I don't think so. Um, and then I heard along the grapevine that they were going to select either Nick Stevens or Emma Carney. To be fair, I would have picked them over <laughs> me as well. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until the day before it had to be submitted or whatever, I got a call from, from Glenn Barnforth, who I've got a great relationship with, and he's like, look, Seth, we're going with... Emma Carney as our priority just so you're aware and yeah fully respect that like I hadn't performed and wished him all the best and so I think the emotion I showed when Collingwood picked me was and as much as I really enjoyed the Bulldogs and loved Carlton I just wanted a fresh start Um, so when Collingwood picked me uh, that was more relief than anything else yeah I wanted a fresh start so yeah pretty happy and still like high pick because that year like out of all years they had to pick every team had to pick a full list so 
Like I can't even imagine what the last pick would have been, like number wise. Yeah, and you're pick eleven. Like yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, when you think of it that way, yeah. I just I think I was just stoked to get picked up, to be yeah. honest, and start the journey. Yeah. Like we just didn't know what was gonna happen from then, but you just know you wanted to get on a list and there were some girls that sat there, you know, they were invited to draft to the draft and sat there up until pick hundred, waiting for their name to get called out. Like Yeah. Yeah, and you know, some people missed out. Like Sarah Perkins missed out. And end up getting it again. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> like, you know, gets invited <laughs> the to the draft. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, Ash Riddell was the same the next year. Um, got invited to the draft, didn't get picked up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just really fortunate. Yeah. I, 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 really, I find the draft so interesting and I still don't know enough about it, mm. um, but I would love to know more just, I guess, how, how you pick people up and then if someone gets picked up that you want, how you have to reshuffle your list. Like, mm. I I'd hate to have that job, but it would be so cool just to sit and actually analyse yeah. how it actually it depends works. Yeah, how do you rank players? Is it position-wise? Is it the best available? Yeah. Um, yeah, our system's pretty cool. Like, Berg's, Berg's goes through it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome how they do it. It's like an all-electronic thing and if a player moves and it moves this person up, and yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So you said you were stoked to be – you just picked up anyway. Yeah. So you would have been stoked when you were the first captain of this club getting named, like, the captain of Collingwood for AFLW. That would have just yeah, been... Yeah, it's obviously a huge honour like, and nothing I expected, if I'm to be completely honest. Like I came in here, I had great conversations with Wayne prior to being drafted and he spoke about leadership, but we ended up drafting, I think, nine or so cap- club captains from local teams, like yeah. Bree White, captain St Albans, Alicia Eva was captaining Melbourne Uni. Like we had so many good leaders um, in this team. So I never expected to be captain... Um, and yeah, we went to a vote, and just the way way it went. But yeah, huge honour, very humbled, and um, yeah, pretty pretty grateful to have had that support in year one for sure. Yeah, but like you're the only captain now that has captain every single year for the same club. But in the league, do you in mean? the league, yeah. really? Yeah, someone told me that the other day. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, like Brennan is now moved on to Richmond. Cara's, I think Cara's been captain of Frio since the start. Has she? And Chels. We'll just say Victorian. Well, I'm just we'll say Victorian. Victorian. <laughs> Who knows anything yeah. about WA? Because <laughs> I want to move back there. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, yeah, I'm, yeah, I feel very um, – I think it's something I'll – Well, I reckon it would only be Cara and you. Chels, Randall. Yeah, but she was a co-captain. Don't count. Yeah. <laughs> just counting you. Let's, let's just Thank talk you. about Victorians because nah, nah, that's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be something – yeah, when I'm done and sort of reflect on it, that's pretty cool. But it's massive. Certainly like, it's not something so good. you and go out to achieve, though. But yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, but it's. I guess it shows the character you you have and the person you are. That like it's people want you here, and I think I'm not sure how the first year it was selected, but since I've been here, it's been player selected. So mm. the fact that the players want you here is such a big thing, and. Um, yeah, I, like I just think that's awesome, and credit to you. Like you've stuck true to who you are through the start to mm. even now. So yeah, thanks, that about Br- thanks, Brazzy. Yeah, appreciate um, that. But what, what would you say is the hardest thing about being a captain? That's a really good question. I think um, you don't really know what to expect when you're thrown into leadership, and obviously everyone has different leadership styles. I think for me, um, the hardest thing, obviously, in the first couple of years, was the fact that we weren't winning. Mm. Um, and then you start to question yourself. And then if you're pl- not playing well, how can you be expected to pull girls up on things and things like that? But I soon sort of realised that as a leader, you don't have to tick all the boxes 
and that's why you've got a leadership group and that's why you've got people around you. So I, mean, I know from the start we wanted to be set high standards, um, you know, pull girls up on this and that and whatever and that's probably not setting high standards, yes, but, you know, pulling girls up and having hard conversations wasn't my strong suit. Um, and it sort of got sort of drummed into me, you've got to do it, you've got to do it, you've got to do it. And I remember thinking, you know what, that's not being true to me, mm. you know. Um, I lead differently. So as soon as I kind of accepted that I'm going to lead this way, these are my strengths, I'm going to lean on other people for sort of other factors, I think I grew in confidence and, and became a little bit better. So, yeah, I think the hardest part is just realising that you've got your strengths but also acknowledging your weaknesses and just, you know, having a support network. Has there been moments like on field where it's been overwhelming, like you feel like you just need to take the game on and that's because you're captain? Because I, like I've definitely, when I was captain at Fever, and I, it's pretty similar to I guess Collingwood's start with AFLW, mm. not not being successful. I, like you just said, um, you start blaming yourself. How yep. do I be better? And I'd go on court, and sometimes even stray from like the game plan just because yep. I was like, I need to get ball for my team. Yeah. Like, and do you, have you ever had moments like that? I think I've wanted to, especially in those first couple of seasons, and it was a good discussion point with the coaches you know throughout like there were times in games where like I think and I I know they won't mind me saying our game plan in the first few seasons probably a little bit too complicated for where we were Mm. and where the group was at and where the competition was at and there were times with that yeah and there were times in games where I just think if this was at my local club like we could use our initiative and you know what it's like as a player you you feel you mm. there's a vibe and it's a feeling so when you act it's based on what you feel and sometimes i think we actually do know better yeah. than what's being what they can see from in the coach's box yeah um and that's that sport t- right yeah like, i feel like sometimes like we obviously listen to the coach follow the game absolutely. plan but the feeling could be so different absolutely and yeah. you can you can actually feel momentum percent. and there was a time i'll never forget um against melbourne might have been the first season. We were like 20 points up at halftime. Came in with all this confidence. Went out after halftime. They just went bang, bang. Goal after goal. Their winger was getting on top of us. And I just remember thinking, we've got to lock on here. We've just got to go one-on-one, bugger our zone mm. defence that we're playing, bugger this tactic. And I'm like – and I was really reluctant to call it and I didn't call it because we were so – I suppose our game plan was so structured and it was – this way or we're not doing it um and yeah I, I felt a little bit responsible for that loss in the end because i might not i don't know if it would have made a difference but i felt like we should have just gone lock on one-on-one you know stem the flow a little bit and then get going but didn't call it so yeah there's moments like that um but you know fast forward to now um and i feel as though we're a little bit more fluid with that sort of stuff yeah and, and i feel like you've probably ownership. got more and probably more just having i guess the experience five years in that um you have that player-coach connection that yeah. you probably feel more comfortable to just call it because yeah. that's how we all are. And yeah. it's probably and that's what's great about this team. It's not just up to you. Yeah. Like we're expected pe- anyone to yeah. call it. Um, exactly. Which is great, which probably Shani is calling it. <laughs> yeah. You just have yeah. to tell her uh, and she'll, right? she'll get it through the, t- through the team pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about like just ca- still on the captain just quickly and we'll move on to the <laughs> next point. But one thing I love about you is you were just like – the captain that does everything right. You reckon? <laughs> everything right. And I want to talk about one moment because no. it cracks me up. <laughs> what part? Oh. No, I love that you look at me like oh, this. No, I don't know. This could be like, anything. I want to talk about a hydration test. Now, if I was 
ever. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> if I was to ever <laughs> just, you know, forget my um, hydration cup. So for people Your that don't up. know, um, our nutritionist gives us a little wee cup that we have to um, take home. And the first wee in the morning, we have to pee in this little cup just to make sure to <laughs> see how hydrated we are for training. I am probably not like Steph and there is plenty of them that I have forgotten or missed or oh, it's actually not my first way. It might be my last week yeah. before training. Where you were that dedicated, you did, you've did. you lost your pee cup. I think I left it here. And what did you do? <laughs> really, Brazzy? Mate, it just really? makes me so happy. I um, Well, I improvised. Is, and uh, I the reason <laughs> I brought it up, Steph, is because this is the moment I was like, this girl would do absolutely anything <laughs> for this class. I just don't like – like I even cracked it when Mike reckons I was late to submit my daily wellness because I submitted it at 11.30 and sent it at 11 instead of 11. So I crossed it out on the floor. Anyway. He has stopped contacting Yeah, me. I put <laughs> my wee – I put my wee – I weed in a Ziploc bag and I zipped it up nice and tight and I brought it to the club so then they could do the testing because I'm an athlete that's professional. Thank you, Braz. And I love that you say at the end that's professional because I don't know how professional a Ziploc bag is. <laughs> I got but, it here. I got but it, it here. is definitely your dedication and yeah. I really hope you are hydrated because yeah. it would have looked pretty funky. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, before, before we end this, I want to talk about how um, you're a teacher. Yep. But last year you decided, I think it was last year, you yep. had time off, you decided to take some time off so you could really focus on footy. Mm-hmm. Now, that seems pretty normal for a lot of athletes, but what a lot of people don't understand is we don't get paid enough to not work. Yeah. So it would have been a pretty tough decision to go, okay, this is going to affect my money. Yeah. You're in your own place, so you've got a mortgage. Yep. Um, you obviously had a lot more time to spend with your dog, Bentley. Yes. But how did you – like what made you do it and was it a tough decision? It, it wasn't a tough decision because I wasn't – personally, I wasn't happy with how I was playing. And yeah. I knew I could give so much more. And I think I was just stretched way too thin with leadership, playing footy, getting up at whatever time in the morning to go to work and then, you know, coming into training. And I just felt like I was run down and tired and I couldn't give 100% to either teaching or, or footy. So the decision itself wasn't hard. Um, I'd made sure I'd, you know, saved my money. I'm pretty good with my money and I like mm-hmm. to save. So I did that and thought, you know what? You're a long time retired and I don't want to have regrets. So I just did it and I applied for leave without pay and fortunately that got um, accepted so I had the term off and it was the best decision for me and for my football. I, I think I had my best season personally. We obviously had a pretty good season as a team as well. We made some huge steps forward and, um, yeah, whether it's because I got to sleep a little bit more, I was obviously working at the club so I was here, um, able to do my gym, access to our facilities, um, was more relaxed, you know, wasn't having to deal with kids every day which I obviously love and I love that um but yeah just my focus shifted and it was just all footy and it's probably the best thing for me in saying that <laughs> I am going back to work next week but um I think I'll manage it a little bit better this yeah. time around no and you say like you think it was one of your best seasons like but hands down like you played unbelievable and we talked about that leadership how you played without that like you you were a leader out there mm. but it looked like it was off your shoulders you just ran the ball like you were, it was so good to watch I just enjoyed it a bit more I think I enjoyed yeah. it because I wasn't so tired and good people around me and yeah just a lot of confidence um, yeah. in our group and yeah. in the people supporting me yeah. yeah and it's yeah I bring it up because it's massive people don't understand I guess 
the dedication people have to put in to make sure they still have a living and play play mm. sport. A lot of, I guess, male athletes don't have to worry about this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the fact that you you took that time off to be the best player you could be, mm. I think, yeah, it's a full credit. It shows the person you are, but also the leader you are. And thanks, Brazil. Um, I really hope that you going back to work is the right decision. Well, <laughs> we my, could my uh, leave make got that not rejected. So yeah, I don't really have a choice. No, and, and nah. obviously different with COVID as well. It would just be so much harder. Yeah. But. Steph, thank you so much for no joining me on Coffee with Braz. You've been unbelievable. I love you. She actually drives me home most nights. So <laughs> um, I love our banter. I love our chats. But um, for me, it's been so great to actually hear your footy journey because I think it's so different to a lot of people. Yep. So thank you. And uh, I'm still waiting for my invitation to Nunna's Pasta Night. Yeah, you're definitely coming. She'd love to have you. But yeah, thanks for having me on, no, Brazzy. Thanks, you're the best. Braz, appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> 1.5 metres. Yeah. COVID safe. Safe. <laughs>